0: Nine, eight, seven, six, five,
1: four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan
2: Ginn. Hello everyone and welcome to uh, The Twilight Show me and everything in. Tonight we are talking to Michael Conroy, founder of Men at Work, training professionals working with young men and children in safety, empathy and respecting and Dr. Tamsin Priest, curriculum leader for health and well-being. We're asking, what's the problem with teenage boys? We'll be talking about pornography, exploitation, social media and suicide. So it's a tough one. Live from Swansea, this is
1: is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with
2: Teachers Talk Radio. Pal, Chris, sorry, avatar. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to the Twilight Show with me, uh, Nathan Gin, uh, here on Teachers Talk Radio. Now, as I fumbled through the introduction, there, um, we have a lot to talk about, and there are some emotive topics. There will be some tough topics. Um, so that is kind of my warning at the start. Now, I think I'm joined by. I think I can hear you there. Hi, uh, yeah, hi Nathan. Can you hear me? Yep, you're coming through loud and clear. Now I just want to check you know how to mute yourself while you're on the air. Can you that um I think so. I'll try and do it now
0: by clicking.
2: Yeah, go on. Good. Perfect. See, there we go. Just for when you know when we go to the ads and in between. And I'm hoping on the other line is Tamsin Priest.
3: Hi, yes, can you hear me? Okay.
2: Hello, and Borada. Boradah. Well, I always well, get told down. off for that from you know from from, from South Wales because obviously it's Noswethar when uh, at the time we are now. Oh, it's yes.
3: Prinumdar, yeah, Prinumdar. Well, yeah,
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, but you know, we will we will go for it. it is my you know my, my attempt there? Now, I have in the introduction there talked a little bit about um, sort of what we'll be talking about, um, talking about working with. Um, young men boys talking about um, specifically that you know and I I, I I, I, have given it I've tried to be you know provocative with the title what's the problem with teenage boys you know so we, we've got kind of like a nice provocative title there as well to go with but before we get started um, I think why don't we introduce yourselves if we start with you Michael tell us a little bit about yourself and what you
0: do. Sure. Well, firstly, thank you for asking me to to contribute. Uh, My name is Michael Conroy and I um, set up a company called Men at Work about three years ago while I was still working, actually, for a group of high schools in the Midlands, West Midlands in England. I spent 16 years working in secondary, mainstream and alternative provision and uh, I became increasingly interested in working with Boys and young men uh, to unpick the social values that are um, kind of directed at them and see whether that, that that can go to try and do some constructive work. And that's what I do now full time.
2: Fantastic. And, and, and Tamazin, if you want to introduce yourself a little, tell us a bit about what you do.
3: Yeah, again, thank you ever so much for inviting me on this evening. Um, so I'm a teacher, um, so I am curriculum lead. For, um, as, uh, for health and well-being at a school in Bridgend prior to that I originally um, trained in English but I only taught English until for about four years five years and then I quickly moved into teaching personal social health education um, across various settings um, and obviously ending up in Bridgend I have a particular research interest in um, young people's online worlds and to that end um, I did my master's with that focus in finishing in 2010 and then I finished my PhD on the same subject, but particularly how online worlds kind of um, sit alongside how un- young people understand risk, suicide, self-harm, um, and I finished that in 2015. So I'm still in the classroom, uh, but now I'm Dr. Priest rather than Miss Priest. And, um, but yes, I teach every child in my school. Um, we do all, all kinds of subjects relating to health and well-being, substance misuse, sexual health. Um, and um, yeah, that's me
2: yeah and you've um listed off a few of the things there that when we talk about boys in particular and i'm i'm conscious of you know gender stereotyping maybe here or i don't even know if that's the right word but um you know um are, i guess michael this one's for you are there specific issues that that young men in particular are facing that that we should be looking at this as a specific group if you see what i mean
0: yeah, absolutely there are. Yeah, uh, just as there are for women as well, women and girls. Um, you know, we, every demographic has its own um, pressures, expectations and opportunities. And we need to be very frank and, and happy to to acknowledge that that's a reality. Yeah, I, I, I would say in terms of in Britain today, in, in 2022, the... the issues that face young men and boys some of them are uh, you know profound and ancient like what is the meaning of life what we're here for what we're going to do (laughs) and how do we do it best but others are very specific you know we're at a time when um sex education has been handed over effectively to the porn industry uh, unfortunately And this is a, a a historic experiment it's never happened before we've had 10 years Uh, pretty much 10 years of uh, mass exposure via smartphones, via the internet, to all kinds of pornography. And that is something that has never really happened before. Uh, So we've got lots of issues arising from that in terms of um, understanding about intimacy, about relationships, about uh, about respect and boundaries. Uh, But we've also got... Um, lots of young men um, in the demographics that I've been working with, and I think it's the same with Dr. Priest, um, are, are at risk of radicalization in one form or another, whether that be, uh, and perhaps more broadly, if we could call it grooming slash radicalization, because we're talking about criminality, we're talking about county lines, uh, gang life, gang culture. Um, and also, you know, far right activity, uh, Islamic fundamentalism, all, we've got all these things are kind of, and, and then of course the whole incel movement, if we can, if we can give it that title of movement, that there is so much uh, organized and um, organizing towards. The, the aim of trying to kind of win over the attention and the, the allegiance of young men in the world that each one of these things is worthy of <laughs> weeks and weeks of discussion, but obviously we can't, we can't do all that tonight. But yeah, I think there's loads of stuff that is specifically aimed. Um, we, we're specifically relevant to boys and young men. And also, I you know, how do we be, uh, young men in a way that is healthy for us in terms of our mental health. There are particular elevated, um, you know, risks in some ways for for boys, young men, and in fact, middle-aged men around self harm, around uh, substance abuse, around violence, male on male violence, male on female violence, uh, and. Yeah, we, we, it's not a 50-50 situation. If we look at sexual assault, for example, you know, males are, are responsible for ninety-eight percent of sexual assault, whether that's against women, which it predominantly is, or other males. And we we need to ask ourselves why. You know, what are the problems? Let's name them. Let's be frank, and then think why why is this happening? And then third part of that the big question is what can we do that is constructive and meaningful Uh, and that's really where my interest lies what can we do that is constructive and meaningful
2: yeah, and I think people listening will really want to kind of hear that and reflect on it and and kind of think about because in in the run up to this, I was thinking about lots of the questions that we'd be talking about, lots of the things we'd be asking. You know, I obviously, you know, I was a young man myself, mm. and and what it what it meant to me, and and what I knew about myself and how I fitted into the world, and 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 Tamsin, sort of, is what do you think the sort of current problems are, and, and have they changed over time? Like, are these problems are. I don't know if they're problems I was facing as a young man growing up 20 years ago. Some of them are similar, but has, has it changed because of the online world?
3: Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that Michael's just said there. I don't actually think young people, young men have changed at all. I mean, I've been teaching for 21 years now and I think young men are exactly as they always have been and they're curious and they're excited and they're Irreverent and they're funny and they're rude and they're passionate and they're empathetic, you know, they're all things. um, But I think that their context has just really shifted sideways into something that's just kind of distorted the most normal, curious things. Um, in the world, you know, for young people to wonder about sex and to wonder about relationships with, with the opposite sex or the same sex or it's the most normal thing in the world. And that has been taken and that has been exploited and distorted and given back to them in a version that is is really very ugly indeed. So I think it's not so much, you know, young men haven't changed, but, but the context for being adolescents now, I think many people in their don't know how old you are, Nathan, but many people in their 30s, 40s, 50s wouldn't recognize it at all. You know, the landscape in which young people, young men are, are trying to navigate um, adolescence. And, and I think the key problem is that I think that the standards that we have for the expectations we have for our young men are just so poor, and that the, uh, we give them so many examples in society which just aren't good enough for our young men. And porn, obviously, Michael has, um, has already spoken about, but what a dire example of um, a respectful loving safe relationship for young men and if that's what they're going to see if that they have far more examples of that and it isn't just uh, pornography in the as presented to, uh, by the, the porn industry, um, porn industry but uh, mainstream porn. But it's also just about the pornification of so many aspects of, of culture. Uh, so the way in which porn is normalized through gaming and through memes and through um, social media interactions. So our young people really are saturated with the most diabolical examples about the way in which, you know, the relationships that they could choose to have, or the way in which they could live their life. And I think that is just such a shoddy example to give to our young men who deserve so much better, and who want to achieve so much better. And no wonder for so many young men, there's this real cognitive dissonance between, you know, what, what they think they're supposed to have, and how they're supposed to present, and how they're supposed to feel about love and intimacy and relationships, and then all of the messages given to them about that are really quite contradictory.
2: And I, you know, and I would imagine, you know, this is, sort of conjecture really from my point but we'd be adding on to that some of the you know um body image things that maybe you know when I was growing up and as I say you know I'm in in my early 40s now so we're talking about 80s and 90s your body image was a little bit of a thing but surely not at the same level now that if uh, young men who are watching porn actors or or even on Instagram or, or anything like that you know, or superhero movies, again, the, 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 these messages about what it takes to be a man or what it, what it means to be a man, uh, it, it, there seems to be a heightened expectation. Is that the right word?
3: Yeah, we've, I've been doing some work with my year seven, so bless them. They're only, of course, 11 and 12. But we've spent a lesson, before we get into looking looking at puberty this term, we've been doing some work on female body image and male body image. And uh, the male body image, we look at the evolution of Batman, so from I think it's 1942 is the first one going up to, um, uh, of course, now it's Robert Patterson, isn't it? But just okay. looking at how Batman's body has, cha- has changed, but also we reflect on why that is and, and how a contemporary audience would feel if they went to Batman went to see Batman and they saw the version from the 1940s and just how all of, our, all of these things have been normalized and, and expectations for young men have shifted so much. And um, it makes for very, very interesting conversations. We also spend some time looking at photographs of Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, and, and considering his lifestyle, um, what it takes to achieve that body, and also what happens on the day of a photo shoot, just to be able to really put into perspective the fact that that isn't achievable for young men. You know, they, they, they can't spend, I mean, he, he jokes, doesn't he, he's in the gym eight days a week, and they can't. Our young men have got lives to live and relationships mm-hmm. to have. Um, and it just makes for a very interesting dialogue for young men who may never have thought about this before.
2: I'm sorry, Michael. You're going
0: to come yeah. in there, yeah? No, no, no absolutely. Uh, as Tamsin said, if if we map the uh, the difference in, uh, and the the morphing of the representation of, of young men, say across thirty forty years, whether it's in action figures as well, in the in the same way that. Um, Female figures in, in, for example, Barbie and 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 the like, are physically impossible representations. Um, there has been a huge increase in the in the musculature of uh, men, you know, for action figures, whatever there may be, to the point where it is almost physically unattainable. Unattainable. Therefore. Uh, we're, we're kind of dropping into the the well of social consciousness for boys and young men that their ideal is something which is physically impossible. And, and then often, you know, where, where, what's the input, output of that story? I mean, I, I do a lot of work with teachers around uh, mental health as well, uh, youth mental health, about looking for signs and symptoms of anxiety, you know, uh, dis- Depression, self-harm, eating disorders, and the like. And very much they are reporting that more and more boys, more and more adolescent boys particularly, are um, you know, are self-harming. Uh, the, the types of self-harm that boys are engaging in and young men are engaging in. Uh, often go under the radar because they they can be seen as bad behaviour or as being aggressive. Um, I mean, it may may have an aggressive element, but it could be that they are starting fights, for example, or, or uh, engaging in risk taking behaviours. Now, that there's a lot of kind of research and understanding that 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 is too easily dismissed as a kind of a character flaw rather than as a form of self-harm, like a ritual emotional release. Um, so that the representations of, as, as you say, you know, Batman or whoever it may be, that they, they, can be um, they can be taken as a really negative model by boys and young men who, who then, you know, how do you look like that quickly? You've got to get ripped quick. You've got to be buff quick. How are you going to do it? You know, you're going to start binge eating you know, and purging. You're going to be obsessively exercising uh, or, or maybe looking online for steroids. There's, th- these problems are so multifaceted and go out into so many different directions that, yeah, I mean, by by, you know... Uh, borderline uh, what is the, the, the blurry points between uh, nutritional supplements and then you start getting to the same websites you're getting the algorithms finding it, you, then the next news you're buying stuff which is um, of unknown provenance and you, you, you're getting obsessed with certain things like bicep size uh, size triceps, the whole shooting match. So the, the, these issues have always existed in um, in small amounts, but it's the it's the the image driven nature of the world in which boys and young men and girls and young women are growing up that just exerts exerts such huge pressure, and, and it leaves these gaps of discomfort. You know. I, why am i not like that how can i look like that uh what does it mean if i don't you know judging yourself judging your peers um it's it's a it's a big issue um and i wanted to ask
2: as well we've talked a bit about kind of physicality there of, of, of the body but also in in behaviors and emotion and how how these things have changed over time um I I can imagine the messages being given to boys now, and whether, rightly or wrongly, in the past, there would have been maybe a simpler message about how a boy was expected to behave in situations and what were uh, male uh, characteristics, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it, it is more complicated now, maybe. Has it changed over time, those kind of expectations of, you know, now we're expecting... More of boys, you know. We're expecting them to be tough and emotional, we're expecting them to be different things. Is it?
0: Um, well, Tamsin, he said, "Okay, if I go first, and then you, 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 you yeah, yeah on." Is that okay? Just, just while, <laughs> just, just while I'm kind of um, uh, uh, in in the moment, um, I would say to to go back to what Tamsin said, though. Is I think we we expect too little of boys and young men. Um, we may expect some some complexity in some ways, but I think the bar is too low in terms of, of behavior and in terms of what it means to be emotionally involved, what it means to uh, be fully uh, participating in family life. I think there are lots of examples where we expect too little, but, and 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 that is something which I think has got deep historical roots, but we're now in a context, as Tamsin said, a really different shifting context of, of tech, of technology, of different work patterns of, uh, you know, a massively more image driven world. So uh, ancient problems with a really complicated modern, modern context, um, I would. Um, I'm. I'm interested in people's thoughts on if anybody wanted to, you know, get in touch via Twitter or messages on this or whatever it might be. On on what they think might it might look like if we do expect too much of, of boys and men. I'd be re- I'd be interested in in that. You know, there may be some things that I haven't thought of, of course, but I would. I generally think that we're capable, you know, men and and, uh, men and boys are capable of so much more than society is often expected of us. Uh, And, you know, that boiling it down to its absolute simplest, you know, that phrase boys will be boys is simply not good enough. Um, The boys will, boys can be amazing, Uh, you know, gentle, kind, resilient and, and um, robust, but, but, I think getting hung up on notions of toughness is a, is is a problem because Toughness has to be proved and displayed, and that can be a bit of a, a segue into all kinds of negative behaviours. Tamsin, is that all right if you want to be okay, Tiff? To...
3: Yeah, no, it's just so interesting, isn't it? Um, something I do find very interesting, when you create an opportunity for young men to discuss these things, and I appreciate and that's what Michael does all day long. For, for me, this is, you know, when relevant to the curriculum, it's been, um, I've very much enjoyed talking to some of my young men this week about the Will Smith and chris rock situation and, and how we how we handle different you know challenging situations and and so on but actually i do find creating that space to talk with young men really is pushing on an open door that they are i think this is very much coming to young men's consciousness about what it means to be a man and physical strength and emotional strength. I don't think we, it's, these things are a settled matter at all amongst young men. I appreciate as a woman that um, it's, very, it's very difficult for me to empathise, and it's something that I do, well, I do empathise, but it's very difficult for me to really understand where the young men are coming from. But I, I can appreciate that they, are, they find themselves in a very tricky spot right now. I've been doing some work with young men on One Punch Can Kill, and how young men can create a space for men to walk away from violence. But it is just so obvious, which is why I'm in so great awe of what uh, Michael does, that um, it's men that need to give men an out. It's boys who need to give boys an out. Um, so that they can walk away from violence. And and, and I, I, as I said, I don't think this is a settled matter at all. I don't really know where we're going to go with this. Um, but I do find that young men want to talk about it. And they want to talk about the injustice, about having this very fixed idea about what a young man should be. Um, they take great umbrage at being stereotyped as violent and aggressive. Um, And I think it's only fair that we create spaces for boys to talk right now, as Michael does with his work, but also just across all classrooms, mainstream classrooms. Um, Because, as I said, these things are very much, very much up in the air at the moment. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, while while we're talking about the the, the Will Smith sort of incident, so you know, uh, it's a really interesting thing for me and people's reactions and when it comes to... um, it's sort of a teaching point and, and society's reaction to it as well is you know and for those people who who missed out at the oscars um the the presenter chris rock made a joke about will smith's wife um and about her uh, a medical condition i think it's alopecia where her you know she her hair has um fallen out or is no longer growing um will smith got up on stage and uh, slapped him across the the face quite quite um hard and then and, and and then came back down um and walked back down to his seat and, and a little bit of shouting and it really split a lot of people about and a lot of conversations about whether you know it, it, you know is that a man protecting his wife does should a man you know be is that expected that the male has to do the protection is physical you know is the physical aggression appropriate in response to a, uh, you know, uh, a, a insult and all of these conversations. It was quite a, a really interesting thing to unpick, but society was split on it. And so, whatever we say, we're we're, we're a part of society and what we're teaching. So that, that that must be an incredibly hard thing to to address, right? Sorry, Michael. I don't know
0: what my question is there. I'll just start no. I, I think that's a really good observation. I mean, it, it's it. I mean, unfortunately, the media is the gift that keeps on <laughs> on giving. Uh, in this area of work, there's never a shortage of, um, and that's a good thing in a in a sense. In terms of you know, for a, for a teacher or facilitator, it's a good thing. There is always constant kind of fresh material to to reflect upon and dissect, and to and to offer a space to discuss. Um, and and you know, really interesting. Last week, I was uh, I was working um, in a prison. Uh, with young men in um, in the, I'll, I'll say the east of England, I won't get, go too close, but uh, I was working with a group of eight young men for whom that that um, situation in terms of their responses, you know, response and reaction, thinking time, what's the best thing, what's the outcome, what's the desired outcome, you know, how can we move to a, point where we consider our actions and the impact of the actions and how they look to others and the message they're giving to younger men, particularly, and boys, maybe our own kids or our, you know, our, our stepsons or our, our little brothers, whatever they may be. But just um, that instant rush to take sides uh, is, is not helpful. Of course but i but to just to say that it there is no resolution to um societal problems in violence there just is there is no resolution in it um and that role of the protector is often really complicated often one's ego is tied up in that. Uh, You know, we, we, you know, don't talk to my wife like that. Don't, don't talk, don't do that to my, you know, whistle at my sister, whatever. It's, it's, it's a really interesting and complicated area because lots of men uh, I, I see online or, or through life as well, say, I wouldn't let you talk to my sister like that. And, and you think, well, let's, let's put a spy camera on you and see if you talk to other people's sisters like that, you know, that kind of, Mm. uh, uh, that area where people, where where men tend to get very kind of patriarchal and defensive and righteous in a sense about uh, comments which are made to their wives, girlfriends, sisters, mums, which are no doubt, you know, wrong on their own merits. But but it's, I think we need to be really consistent in, our behaviour as men, uh, so that we don't end up in, you know in a kind of a hypocr- hypocritical stance. I don't know Will Smith from Adam I was gonna say not from Adam Smith, yeah. It's <laughs> you know, mixing kind of genre there somewhat. But I don't I don't know anything about him as an individual. It's so hard with these super famous people because we think we know them but we don't we don't because we just mm. absorbed them. Um I I and about specific incident incident I think uh, is a good encapsulator of some really deep cultural ideas about stepping in as being an upstander, and yet what is the real story? And is that your consistent truth or is it a performance? Uh, These are just, again, I mean, I don't know if that's a good answer, but it's certainly an interesting question. Uh, but, but for me, I think there's a lot of space in this culture for men to assume the mantle of the sheriff, the, the knight in shining armour, the good guy in public. But uh, I'm really interested in the rest of the, of the time when the cameras aren't rolling.
2: Wow. Okay. So
0: um, we are going to pop
2: quick to hear a little bit from our sponsors. But when we come back, I want to get a look a little bit deeper into some of the bits and pieces. We're going to talk about that whole boys being boys thing. We'll talk about some of the extreme behavior, possible criminal behavior, talk a little bit about um, uh, things that we can do with uh, uh, risk taking and and their vulnerabilities. Uh, and we'll we'll also talk a little bit of getting into some of that coercive control, which really interests me about some, you know, I, I talk a lot about that at the moment. And I don't know whether that is something just because I have a spotlight on it myself or whether it is something that there is more, right?
4: Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk
1: Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn bulb is an easy to use fully accessible digital platform that captures students digital learning assets in one place allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com
4: introducing autism aspirational futures a virtual sen conference for parents and carers do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from With Slack Group can support them and you, providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out. Register for free at Witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs.
1: Live from Swansea. This is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to The Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn here on Teachers Talk Radio. I'm joined by Michael Conroy, uh, Men at Work founder, training professionals in working with uh, young men and boys about safety, empathy and respect. And Dr. Tamazin Priest, uh curriculum lead for health and well-being and researcher in pornography, exploitation, social media and suicide. And we're asking, what's the problem with teenage boys? Uh, welcome back, Michael. Hiya. And Hi, Nathan. And Yep, we can hear you, Michael. Yep, and you're back as well. I always like to check just to see that we're <laughs> back. And do you know what's throwing me this evening is that it's still sunny, which is wonderful. Mm. Uh, if you're listening back to this as a podcast, everyone, we've had the clock change this week. So now in the evenings, we have a, a little bit of extra sunshine, which is lovely. Um, now, I want to start off this sort of uh, part of the show just asking um talking about boys being boys and uh, you know i've taken some of this michael from your website you talk about uh, boys and young men being at, um, at risk themselves from aggressive behaviors of other males uh risk from grooming and radicalization into criminal or extremist behaviors and beliefs and we've got gangs we've talked a little bit about incels religious fundamentalism county lines of course people will be aware of from safeguarding training um but um, my question, and we'll start off with Tamsin, is that is, is this just not an outcome of what we, through films, video games and society, have, have told the boys what they need to be? We've told them they need to be manly men, so they're, they're just being what we've told them?
3: Yeah, kind of. of. I think that absolutely is a large part of it. But, um, I mean, these things go way back. I mean, as Michael said earlier, you know, historical problem. It's really useful. Well, in fact, not just useful. It's absolutely imperative in order to be able to talk about any of these things, whether it's, porn or exploitation or sex and relationships, consent, absolutely everything is underpinned by gender stereotypes. And if you can work with young people at a very early age to understand where gender stereotypes come from, why they exist in the first place, and how that really old-fashioned... Um, harmful to males, harmful to females, how these stereotypes still exist in our society today, and they really are arbitrary I and mean, they are based on you know differences in the body you know to a certain extent you know different roles that males and females would have taken on historically, but we don 't live like that anymore and um, these are things that we can be celebrated about young men you know we can celebrate uh, particular aspects of masculinity, but um, the fact that we have so many bizarre and um, harmful representations of masculinity yeah I've no doubt uh, definitely contributes to the role that some young men feel they need to fulfill in society absolutely but again as I said earlier about pushing on an open door yeah you don't have to talk for very long with young men for them to want to challenge these things for themselves and for them to see how these harmful how these messages really aren't helpful for them at all, particularly when it comes to their mental health, particularly when it comes to their relationships with females, Um, particularly when it comes to the relationships they want to have with their own children. So my year 11s at the moment are doing work around pregnancy choices and um, and childbirth. In fact, they watched childbirth today. I think some of them have gone home traumatised. But they they want to know. You know, these are young men who really want to have fulfilled, loving relationships with their partners and children. But we don't really see those representations, do we? Um, So, uh, yeah, I, I think we can do so much better in the types of males we show in our media. But it really does start in order to develop those skills to interrogate them with older children you really have to go back to first principles which is gender stereotypes from you know from a very young age
2: now i'm incredibly i you know i have tried but i am guilty of um instilling this stuff i've tried with you know i have two boys and i've tried to um you know initially we tried sort of uh, um, gender neutral toys and, and not talking about those things no blue and pink none of that divide but you know, and, and, and some of this comes from me. I, you know, I have work that I need to do myself as far as um, being more open about my emotions. I, I have a very closed off, you know, I recognise that. But, um, and, I, I, you know, admittedly, I named one of my boys after Tom Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders, who isn't a particularly good role model either. And I've ended up with two very boy boys. Now, I... <sighs> I guess this one's for Michael. If we are not great role models ourselves, how are we? Do you see what I mean? How am I going to ever change and help my boys, or help the young men that I work with, when I am not the thing that I am aspiring for
0: them to be? Uh, I'd, I'd say none of us. None of us are, are the finished products. None of us are the, uh, the destination. We're just. Uh, we are. Um, at, we are in, at best. I think perhaps. Um, Mm. Our best people who try are best people who are prepared to have conversations and to uh, acknowledge the fact that we, we've got shortcomings and to work towards them, it's a, it's a constant process, you know, I, I don't believe in perfection, I don't believe in saints, I don't believe in all, all, all that kind of stuff, all these paragons of virtue um, having said that, I don't think that accepting that perfection is not possible is a is a is a a cue for right sod it let's just (laughs) let's just dive to the lowest common denominator I think you know um working towards is the best that any of us can do in any any context working towards what we believe to be better than we had or than we've done and and the fact that um you know the fact that you named your son after Simon Shelby. You, you're you're saying that, and you're acknowledging that is a is a thing. Otherwise, you just. I mean, I I know quite a lot of Tyson's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know quite a few teenage lads called Tyson, and it's a nice name. But I know that their dad's named them after Mike Tyson, who you know. Um, and I don't know that they would be pondering that. It would just be an act of homage to an alpha male in their eyes. Uh, you know, and they wouldn't even spend a moment in some cases thinking, what, you know, that's an interesting one. I wonder why I did that. So the capacity to reflect is is, you know, <laughs> is 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 a start. It's good. And um and I don't I don't think I thought I don't think holding up any notions of perfection or saintliness. Is of, I think that's disempowering, and I think it can be a part of a kind of a cop-out mentality as well. That if you're not perfect, then you can be as bad as you want or as lazy as you want, uh, which um, and, and just throw in the towel and sort of celebrate that. I think being engaged in in this kind of conversation genuinely is is a good sign, uh, and we're just pushing, we're just walking towards somewhere where we uh, our instincts tell us could be safer, better, healthier for, for all concerned.
2: Um, now, I'm, I'm going to go back to uh, Tamasin here just to, to, to talk about some of, you know, you, your you're inner school, you're, you're working with lots of young people. Um, and is, is there still, in your opinion, whether the school you're at or just in general from your theory, is, you know, are, are we still in a place where there is gender stereotyping of boys are boys and boys take risks and boys have fights?
3: Oh, blimey. Um, uh, in general, no, no. I think there is a lot, there's been so much dialogue and there's so much input and training. But also on a societal level, I think, you know, prof- I'm, I'd like to think the professionals are in the classroom because they really like young people mm. and, and this isn't working for young people it isn't working for young people outside of schools and uh, and county lines doesn't work and and sexual violence doesn't work so i think there is enough consciousness now amongst professionals that that actually we need to be challenging you know uh gender stereotyping i think you there will always be the uh, can i have some strong boys to help me carry some boxes out my car and then but you also see the professional you know tripping over there, like you know all strong students like so you of course you're always going to get things like that because you know things don't change overnight systems don't change overnight but i will think when it comes to awareness there's definitely a growing awareness that trying to create spaces for for blokes to be able to talk uh, for f- f- more opportunities for females. Try out different subjects, and also for boys to try out different subjects. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting, though. We, you know, when you look at GCSE options, we have so many. Um, girls who have now moved into the traditionally male domain, but we still don't have that shift of, mm. of boys necessarily into um, health and social care and and so on. But um, again, I think this is very much because it's about how boys perceive other boys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be very, very disappointed if I thought that there were schools now in Wales or anywhere else in the UK where they're deliberately upholding systems mm. But but people are flawed, as Michael said, and and we still have a very long way to go. Society, I think gender stereotypes have never been so entrenched. I think Mm. we look at advertising, we look at the media, look at the way things are presented. I mean, I show the Lego advert in the classroom when I was a little girl in the 1970s and 1980s. Lego was for everyone. Lego's for everyone. And and, and Mm. the posters showed a boy and a girl alongside each other in clothes, which actually could be worn by either sex now it's pink logo lego isn't it you know the lego friends and and so on so um i think societally uh, yeah with so much work to do in schools we're obviously trying to combat that as best we can mm.
0: uh, ab- absolutely i would concur totally that uh, i mean i'm 54 um and i think in the in the child's eye view, whatever that is, you know, on, on TV, on cartoons, on uh, on magazines, you know, at the checkout, things that are deliberately put a child's eye view. I think we're massively more entrenched in gender stereotypes than we were twenty five thirty years ago. Um, that and there's a reason for that, uh, and fundamentally, it's about money. You sell twice as many things. Um, you know, I've seen pink and blue Bibles. Wow! <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I Google this madness. It's a, it's all out there. Uh, I mean, um, P, uh, all kinds of really interesting accounts. I, you know, I'm very happy to promote other things like let clothes be clothes, and they they do a lot of campaigns about you know messages on t shirts. Recent stuff that's just come to light. It's, it's jaw dropping. You know, just like words. Uh, like be grateful and only be kind on girls' t-shirts, but you don't find them on boys' t-shirts. I mean, the idea is almost ludicrous in a, in a way. To um, a birthday cards, if you if next time you go and buy birthday cards, swap the messages and see how kind of jarring it is. The word "friend" doesn't appear on birthday cards uh, for boys in the main or men, whereas it's quite common in uh, in women and girls. The ho- that that whole world of stuff that's child's eye view, where they start to to read the world, understand their place in it. The toy industry, cartoons. Uh, T-shirts, birthday cards, that stuff is where they're getting to grips with key phrases, learning what's expected of them. Um, And uh, in the training that I do for teachers and youth workers and social workers, we dive into, you know, messages and clothing and and advertising and things like that. And just, I think sometimes people um, are struck because we don't get time to sit back and look at it. We just sort of are immersed in it all the time. We swim in it. It's the water we swim in. And we expect it, so we're not shocked but i think we should be shocked because some of it is just blatant propaganda uh for something which is making somebody some money of course otherwise they wouldn't do it but also it's having an effect on the growing minds of boys and girls and teaching them that certain things are for them and certain things are not are not for them and then where does that leave young people who actually gravitate towards the things that are supposed to be for for girls you know boys Loads of boys like, you know, playing with dolls. I I, I speak to nursery teachers who say that sometimes when the dads come in, they're visibly angry that their son is holding a doll uh, because they're worried about what that's going to do to his development. And to be honest, it's going to do it some good (laughs) because he's going to learn which way up to hold a baby. (laughs) And, uh, you know, very likely he's going to be a dad or an uncle or a brother at some point and and that fear in that grown man i find that fascinating i've heard loads of tales uh, in early early years nursery settings where dad's come to pick up the son son's wearing a pink cape or a crown or whatever it is you know a tiara and and the guy's gone into meltdown and that's his fear it's his fear about him and and his sense of like the natural order uh, and that's—it's terrifying, really, that we can get to be grown adults and be held hostage by such primitive kind of associations of colors and things like that. I mean, but that's still here, twenty twenty-two. That's that's not no, less, no less wanna, than it ever was.
2: I want to take that gender spit and just push a little further, and uh, you know, and if we can transition on to talking about incels, and I know you mentioned this earlier, but. Um, For me, there's a a misogyny there within that group. Mm. There's certainly other things going on within that group, but it's a language that has become more common. I hear some of the phrases from that that kind of internet Mm. group, you know, sort of uh, whatever it is we're phrasing it. So would you mind, Michael, just talking a little bit maybe about what you mean when
0: you say insults? For sure. I mean, it's obviously, it's... um... Uh, hashtag incel is something that people people can explore, but it, it's a it's a neologism of involuntary celibate, and it, it's uh, it's come from the states as as many as many things do. Uh, it's um it, it sums up and is applied by and applied to group uh, a kind of group of young men who seem to gather together online more than in real life maybe uh, in various chat rooms and forums and and you know various kind of situations and social media where they bemoan their lack of sexual access to women uh, and and basically present it as a kind of a conspiracy by a a failed state that has been corrupted by female influence, which means that they're not getting sex. That's the bottom line. They're not getting as much sex or sex as frequently as they think they should, or with as attractive women as they think they should and it's as absurd as that (laughs) it really is as absurd and as tragic and as infantile as that however um it is grown men in their 17 18 19 20 up into the 30s and even beyond who are. Immersed in that mutually reinforcing negative chamber of kind of, uh, of misogyny, as you say, Nathan, is exactly that woman hate. Uh, there's it's drenched in bitterness and and I would say anger, but I'm I'm not uh, anger is an interesting word, uh, and I kind of park that for a moment. I would say bitterness, resentment, and um, a, a sense of entitlement that is founded on. Absolutely nothing, uh, but they 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 pose a risk. And you know, there was a the, the guy in Portsmouth, I think, was it last year? I
3: think it's who,
0: Plymouth. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Plymouth. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Apologies. Um, thank you, Tamsin. Sorry about that. Uh, in Plymouth, yeah, who 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 killed several people, you know, with his gun. Uh, and that it's quite rare in England that that would happen in a multiple wave. In America, it's absolutely replete with. Shooting by angry men, seemingly angry, or men who are more, perhaps more properly, seeking to exert their control or to re-establish a control that they think they should have over what happens, Uh, and the link between that kind of violence of the incel, which is a kind of young man, net savvy, uh, you know, cyber dweller uh, type it's not so different to the older men 30s 40s, 50s in the states, particularly but not only who who seek lethal uh, redress. Uh, for slights that they think have been kind of wrought upon them by the world, they they, they think that they are entitled to have women, as if women are a um, a natural resource for men to use. And and if you dive into some of these man in sites, that is exactly what they say. It's like they're even t- even talk about things like if a rational society would arrange it so that. Uh, All men had enough sex. And basically, the only way that's possible is by um, creating a a class of sex lives. There are women, you know, this is that is as bad as it is. And it's as um, it's as insane as it is. But um, unfortunately, bad ideas I don't live in a world divorced from action. And as we've seen several times in America, and now sadly also in England, uh, men, men will, uh, will kill as a result of the beliefs that are constantly reinforced online. Speaking to men of a similar kind of mindset, so and yeah, the language like the "cook" short for "cook old," you know, I've, I've been called that every day. I probably on social media, uh, "beta" as in a beta male, so not alpha, and that whole kind of emerging vocabulary. It is good though, Nathan. I think you're, you're alluding to this is that for teachers to have some kind of understanding of what the words that their young men are using because it does denote being part of or spending time on some pretty dark and dangerous stuff online. Um, So that kind of awareness for teachers is, is really important. Um, and I want to sort of move over to, to in there uh,
2: and just talk about, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of your research and things about um, internet usage and, and the messages. So we've talked about, you know, films, obviously, you know, people, people will be aware of that. You know, me as a teacher, I, I see what films are coming out. Me as a shopper, I, you know, I go around the supermarket, I see what clothes and all of these things are very open. But some of the things we're talking about now are are hidden from me. If that makes sense. So what, in your opinion, are some of these pressures, maybe messages they're getting that that I'm not aware of as a teacher?
3: Well, it's quite interesting staying with the theme of incels because incels um, are part of a wider online community called the Manosphere. So incels are part of that. So this involuntary celibates, um, men don't get off the hook with incels, by the way, because they don't like men. Men who get to have sex with women, they're called chads and women are Stacey's. So they uh, so they don't like men who get to have sex with um, women either, really. But um, so within the manosphere, you've got incels, you've also got Mugtown men going their own way, pick up artists and so on. And what what then happens is these things. Um, in my experience, my dialogue with young people, and that's uh, it's research that's not just within my own school, so that, that's wider. But it, these things really have kind of, um, they kind of filter down and they percolate into popular culture, don't they? So some of the language that I hear then would involve simp as well. Simp comes from incel culture. Well, this is one of the ones that, I've,
2: yeah, I've heard recently yeah, uh, and, yeah, uh, at yeah, school so, and, and have had to point it out to people and said, no, we, that, that's something we need to flag
3: yeah so a simp obviously a male who um, who uh, other so an incel or other or incel aligned people adjacent people would say that that it's um a man who puts women before his bros but um, it can be any bloke who is nice to a woman or any boy who is nice to a girl from what i've observed so simps but also the whole make me a sandwich thing so the whole mm. you know shut up make me a sandwich um is might be a flippant remark that a boy might make to a girl but actually that comes directly from the manosphere across a different context so you've got the manosphere and and, and all of its lovely groups that meet on there but why this is a, a major safeguarding issue is because if you look at why men young men end up on there and obviously i i'm sure it's true for older men but obviously i work with and my priorities young men they, it's because they feel disaffected. It's because they have um, a number of aces. Because they don't feel that they belong to, you know, don't have that belonging within a social group. Um, it can there can also be um, neurodiversity, which can which can lead in some ways. It's really really important to of course to point out the overwhelming majority of people who are neurodiverse aren't involved at all in a, in this in any way. But it can be a risk factor, what we call a, co- a comorbidity. Um, and then what happens because. Um, groups such as, you know, far right organisations know that um, the young men who are hanging out on the menosphere and young men who are incels, these are some of their vulnerabilities. They then know that they are absolutely ripe for grooming or terrorist organisations. So this is kind of double radicalization going on. First of all, the young men are radicalized online in these online spaces on the manosphere. Um, and then they are radicalized again by particularly far right groups. I mentioned far right because they're the most um, common you know, um, terror organizations that we have in the UK. So they will be then radicalized again because the people who are radicalizing them know they're exactly the same vulnerabilities um so you know depression, anxiety, social anxiety, um feeling disaffected, I hope that makes sense but <laughs> that that's huh. what's going on there, so it's a major major safeguarding implication for schools
2: mm. I, I know that is you know really interesting and 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 it, it, an incredibly difficult thing for i imagine some people to talk with if they have no access to it you know we can all talk about um you know blue and pink and those things that so that is probably a comfort zone for a lot of people when when addressing Um, Those issues, you know, we might be able to talk about um, staff members want to talk about talking about emotions (laughs) and those things they they would feel comfortable. We get onto something a bit more um, uh, difficult, I would imagine, for staff to approach when we start talking about where some of this stuff might lead. When Mm. we start talking about things like coercive control and and domestic abuse, which Mm. is something we may want to be talking with young people about, but an incredibly tricky topic
0: uh, yeah. I, I, is, uh, is that for me or Tamsin? Yeah, no,
2: Michael. Yeah, sorry. Uh,
0: uh, well, um, please, please Tamsin, do come in as well after. Um, uh, yes. Oh, let me think. Um, last Friday, I was talking to a group of high school teachers, and I'm seeing them again this, this Friday, um, and we were talking about the emergence of surveillance <laughs> technology uh, and and how that is playing out in in teenage relationships uh, and directly relating to coercive control and and the domestic abuse you know in the broadest sense. Um, uh, I've spoken with staff who have reported fourteen-year-old boys using tracking devices on uh, with um, with their girlfriends. Uh, things like the thing that my kids bought me for christmas i can't remember what it's called it's about the size of a 10 of a 10 pence piece Uh, i keep losing my phone it's an apple thing i'm sure other makes are available (laughs) So it doesn't turn into an advert but these small tracking devices uh cost about a tenner i think 15 20 quid at the most there's a, a whole world of kind of espionage Adjacent technology available uh, to young people. Even the phones, our phones themselves have got all kinds of ways where we find out where people have been, where they've signed into, you know, restaurants, takeaways, um, their friends' houses. Uh, But I've spoken about two particular young men, 14 years old, who are using what is essentially a sophisticated tracking device. One of them put it in the lining of Uh, the girl who was going out with school bag and the other one did the same, but with her coat. And now we're looking at a a new situation as Tamsin was talking about the context changes in this, in this case, technology, the urge to control and to know everything about what your partner's doing is, is ancient. That's not brand new, but the the facility which our culture is offering uh, young men and it is, Mainly young men who who uh, are articulating that desire to control is an entirely new thing and and it it is playing out within school within college within six forms in a way that has never happened before it's never been able to happen before however that the technological kind of novelty to one side the the um, the roots of coercive control of which became illegal in 2015 and which a lot of people are still really sadly unfamiliar with, you know, when you, when uh, um, an abusive partner uh, seeks to uh, micromanage in the, uh, uh, the movements of their partner, often by isolating them from friends and family, by constantly telling them that you know they they they've got problems, that they're, they're not good enough, maybe they're mentally ill, or, or that they shouldn't go out to work, just basically taking them hostage over the time, wearing them down um, to the point where you know a sense of autonomy is gone, uh, and perhaps you know mental health kind of impacts would would start arising. That so that coercive control may or may not involve any incidences of physical violence, but takes a huge Huge toll on on the victim of the abuse, uh, and the roots of that start early, um, and they're visible now because we can see, you know, the the use of phones, the use of uh, maybe blackmail through imagery, you know, intimate photographs that have been used, uh, and. This is unfortunately now landing on schools' um, to-do list uh, and it has done for the past five or six years. But looking at it through the lens of coercive control... Is I think appropriate because it, it is the start of adult behaviour and of future behaviour. It's an indicator of future behaviours. It's um it's not just a kind of flash in the pan that would fizzle out when you get past 16-17 when you kind of mature. It's it's a time now when you're 14-15 that you're testing the waters and you're learning perhaps how to coercively control another. Uh, or learning, unfortunately, that that is something to expect in relationships from the point of the abuser, uh, the the abused person, the victim. Um, so it is something I know, you know, I've spent 16 years in schools, uh, you know, partners, a teacher, all my family, it's all of them. I'm the black sheep in the fact that I'm not actually a formal teacher, but I'm talking about 12, 13 adults, primary and secondary. Um, it, is something which is apparent on all their workloads, and that's across the country. Uh, um, and it, it, it's huge. The, the, the roots and the, and the early signs of coercive control are something that, unfortunately, I think we're not really aware of or alert to in- to the extent that we need to be, but I do know that teachers are expected to be aware of everything, <laughs> yeah. and and to make sure kids sleep enough, and to make sure they're getting a balanced diet and getting five a day. Well, I, I wanted to move course. back. To,
2: yeah, I wanted to move back to Tamar's in there just at that point to talk about is this, you know, these things that uh, Michael's talking about. It sounds like there are things that maybe young people are hearing in this manosphere that you talk about from pick up artists learning about negging where you're giving negative yeah. comments to someone yeah. or whether it be about some of these other kind of technology things a, a, a lot of information maybe that they're, they're learning is normal behavior or from you know from porn I guess as well they're learning these things are mm. normal behaviors
3: yeah yeah I, I think most I think most young men do not go on the manosphere I think mm. that that is kind of the the, the tip you know thin tip of the iceberg thin end of the way whatever you want to call it yeah. but um but it's just so common in particularly in gaming so when gaming this will just be the dialogue that's flying around when young people are gaming and um even just tv shows like i'm thinking about i mean i very much invo- enjoyed game of thrones but just the type of sex that takes place in game of thrones and in a, a very some of it is it all could be like lifted couldn't it from um snuff porn and i'm particularly thinking of the bit with king joffrey if and the the crossbow just for, for reference there but uh, um yeah so it's just the, the normalization of these things in our society you can't really escape it as michael said earlier it's just it's just water isn't it but um but young people do want to talk about it and it's our responsibility to talk about it they should obviously now where i'm in, in wales where i am in england as well it is now compulsory to talk about it and, um, and this is about keeping young people safe. Sometimes I'm not sure what people think is going to happen if you give the young people the opportunity to talk about it. I mean, it might be for some young people the first normal, the first voice they ever hear talking about what a healthy relationship should look like. If they've had poor role models in, at, at home, if they're saturated in the media, which has poor role models for them, you might be the first voice who gives them an alternative. And, do, and, and helps them to develop the skills to be able to challenge the messages, messages they receive about about relationships. You might be the first person to say, no, it's not normal to insist that you're boyfriend or girlfriend keeps their phone on video all night so that you can watch them sleep to make sure they're not cheating on you you know you and and it's also very empowering I teach in mixed sex groups there are merits absolutely to, to teaching children in single sex groups but I do it in a mixed sex group and it is very empowering to say two boys in front of girls certain messages and very empowering to say two girls in front of boys and you really can challenge um these messages which are just so insidious and, and don't keep them safe and won't help them have good relationships at all. But it means we have to do the work and we don't have to be experts, we, but we need to create a space Um, Now, uh, Tamazin, you've given us,
2: you know, an amazing segue there because we are going to transition to the news quickly and just uh, hear our tech update. But when we come back, what I really want to save time for at the end is uh, some advice, some tips to people listening, because we have talked about a lot of problems out there and maybe, you know, a lot of fear that teachers might have listening to this. But I'm hoping if you'll both stick around for seven or eight minutes while we listen to the news that you'll be able to give maybe some guidance, some tips, some advice, just to people listening about where they can go next. Is that okay, And yeah, so. uh,
4: sure.
2: Michael,
0: absolutely. Yeah.
2: Well, we'll see you on the other side of the news then.
1: This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslacgroup.co.uk to find out more.
4: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. With a Slack group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
5: In England, schools will have to open for no less than 32.5 hours per week. From September, at the moment, the head teacher with the governing body decides the length of the school day in England, and 14% of schools will be affected. Nadim Sahawi, the education secretary, also wants to encourage multi-academy trusts. He said, "The evidence is clear that a family of schools that is really tightly managed, really well supported, especially through COVID." has delivered better educational outcomes for children. So strong, and I underline strong, multi-academy trusts is the infrastructure we need to complete and deliver. According to The Sun, figures show that 75% of schools had days that met the average length of between six hours, 15 minutes and six hours, 35 minutes. Kevin Courtney, of the National Educational Union said schools and pupils had been left battered and bruised by the pandemic and a more sophisticated approach was needed. Paul Whiteman of the head teachers union the NAHT said simply adding five or ten minutes to a day is unlikely to bring much if any benefit. Gillian Mackay, a Lanarkshire MSP, is calling on North Lanarkshire Council to write off the remaining £28,011 that remains outstanding for school dinners. Most of that money is an outstanding debt owed for children at primary school despite all P1 to P5 across Scotland now being entitled to free school meals. Ms Mackay said Children can't get a good education if they're hungry at school. I believe that North Lanarkshire Council rightly ensures every pupil has a meal at lunchtime, even if they don't have the money to cover it. But these figures make it clear that debts are being chased from families who simply can't pay. With the cost of living crisis putting huge pressure on family finances, this is the right time to write off all outstanding school meal debt. Pursuing the debt is causing stress and embarrassment for pupils and their families. But I know that staff are deeply uncomfortable asking pupils for money they know the family does not have. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
1: This is Two Minute Tech with
6: Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk VPN. For those of you thinking, why is Steve talking about an underwear fashion faux pas? A VPN is a virtual private network, and knowing a little bit about them might make you realise you actually need one. What is it? Well, in a nutshell, a VPN changes how internet data is transmitted from a device. It allows the user to be more hidden. I know what you're thinking. I'm no cyber criminal. Why do I want to conceal my data? Well, let's look at three things a VPN can do you. I'm going to use a phone as an example, but all of these can be applied to any device you can put on the internet. Do you use public networks? A public network may be the Wi-Fi on the bus or train, a local coffee shop or fast food restaurant, any connection that isn't your home. Transmitting data on these networks can potentially allow your data to be intercepted by third parties. Having a VPN allows you to encrypt your data from your device rather than depending on the network you're connecting to. So, when surfing the web while enjoying a burger and fries, you can be confident if you're being intercepted, the data will be useless to the interceptor. The next is shopping online. When connecting to an online shop, some stores use your location and unique device ID to target you. If you're returning to look at a product, the likelihood is you're going to buy it. Knowing this, some stores use clever algorithms to increase the price to maximize their profit. With a VPN, you can mask this data so the price you see is the initial price. The third is some streaming services are blocked by internet providers or unavailable from outside of certain countries. If you're using a VPN, you can choose where to set your location to allow you to see the content you wish to stream. I've not looked at individual providers Some are free, some are paid for. If you're unsure, find a friend who's using one, ask them about it and use the same one as them to begin with, then you get free tech support. Make sure you know the terms of service. You don't want the VPN you're using keeping your data as that would defeat the object in the first place. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk
1: Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio.
2: Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show with me Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. I'm joined by Michael Conroy, uh, Men at Work founder, training professionals working with young men and boys in safety, empathy and respect. And Dr Tamsin Priest, uh, curriculum lead for health and well-being and research here um, in pornography, exploitation, social media, suicide. We're asking what's the problem with teenage boys? We've heard a lot of different uh, pieces of uh, really challenging things that our young uh, men and boys are facing. And we are kind of rounding off the show here with some advice, um, some tips about what schools can do, what teachers and professionals can do to really challenge against this. So uh, welcome back, Michael. Hi. Yep, back here with us. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, sure, yeah. Tamazin, you still with us? Yep and I will just say, from you know, I know Tamzin is in South Wales as well. We heard there about Scotland having free school meals for all uh, yeah, primary school people. Wales from September will also have free school meals for all primary school aged pupils, leaving England behind. So come on, DFE, get get you get yourself together. There is a, mm. a big need for it, and and something to be done. But we are talking specifically about tonight problems faced by young men and boys, and what schools can do to help address them. So um, we, we, you know, we've got about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to, to, to solve all of the problems uh, that, that are faced, Michael. So do you want to kick us off with some some advice and tips? Where, what would be your first go-to things that you'd be saying to someone in a school?
0: Um, I, I will focus on some real detailed stuff that often gets overlooked. And, and recently I've been in conversations uh, with sixth form staff about their young men heading off to university, um, just I'm I'm going to I'm developing a small program uh, looking at being resilient to the pressure to get involved in binge drinking, um, and the and the and where that comes from, you know, the ability to be radicalized, the ability to be groomed into criminality, and the ability to be to be coerced into. Uh, binge drinking, uh, hazing rituals, that kind of stuff, it's pretty much got the same machinery under the bonnet. You know, that fit, that desire to belong, the feeling of uh, public inadequacy, uh, using shame between uh, males to, to to present one as being less than a man, in inverted commas. So that's one kind of detailed thing, which I think has got no no profile at all. You know, we send our young men off to uh, universities and and where do they go? You know, are they prepared? Have they had a conversation? Have they walked through these situations? And likewise, before you know, I hand over to Tamsin, obviously because we only got the ten minutes, and there are a huge number of things to do. So I thought that's why I thought I'd go for something detailed there. Um, and likewise, I think we need to acknowledge in uh, our RSE lessons that if we're talking to a year um, year 11 or year 10 student, the idea that we're introducing to them the notion of consent uh, is is not realistic because our average young man, 15, 16 years old, assuming he's got internet, uh, which what, 97, 98, 99% of young men do in this country at least, um, will have been exposed to porn, for multiple hours, hours, you know, multiple up into the hundreds of hours over the five, six years that they've had that device, whether they've sought it or whether the algorithms of the porn industry have found them or whether their friends have shared it and whether, and whether sharing that kind of stuff and becoming apparently au fait and cool with it is part of the dynamic of a friendship, uh, whatever the route um, that one-hour lesson delivered by a non-subject specialist, which is sadly the case in 90-odd percent of the cases, certainly in England, um, you know, um, it's not it's not enough. It's not enough, and we need to be better equipped. We need to look after our teachers who are delivering PSHE. This might seem strange to be talking about supporting teachers, but PSHE in England, for sure, that I know of, is delivered overwhelmingly by non-subject specialists and are they supported are you know are they stressed out are they worried about tackling these subjects because if we've got a situation where uh johnny is 16 he's finally got a lesson about consent and or porn it's 45 50 minutes long he's consumed dozens of hours of porn where consent is really not uh on the agenda and he's having a conversation with a maths teacher who's maybe been not slept the night before because they're worried about delivering it that is the catastrophic situation we're in and anything at all that can be done by schools to really appreciate the scale of that issue and and support staff, give them the best possible access to resources, and to create meaningful space rather than the bare minimum that the DFE is asking for, um, is a is a is a start, just a step in the right direction. O- otherwise, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch, I'm happy to talk about what I what I do for work, of course, and 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 Tamsin likewise, because uh, we're in the thick of it, and. And um, there's a lot of work to be done. But I would say support PSHE, RSE staff really meaningfully. Be aware of the minimal kind of time and space. We, as a culture, as a society, we give our young people to talk about these things and then create those spaces that Tamsin was talking about. space for a respectful kind of uh, decent conversation about really important issues.
2: And, you know, I would add in there, if I put, you know, put my hands up as an honest and open practitioner, uh, you, having worked in a number of schools, it, it is a subject that is easy to, to bottle it. You know, and mm. I will say that hand on heart as a teacher, you know, it's easy to shy away from, maybe not give full or, or give it as much time because it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, um, Tamazin, what would be your kind of takeaways for people? What could they try? What would you advise them to do? You know, where where, where should we be going with this?
3: OK, now I'm, I'm in a bit of a unique situation in that um, I am a specialist and um, so I signed up to it. <laughs> so I've gone yeah. into, you know, obviously with my eyes open and uh, it's all I do all day, every day. I just teach health and well-being and I teach every child in my school. So I get to teach them from 11, usually up to the age of 16, which is a real privilege. And that's quite different to what happens in, in many settings. If you, if you can't do it properly, don't do it at all, I would say. An awful lot of damage can be done by not doing it properly. Um, so if you don't feel that you've got the resources to do it, if you don't feel you're, you, you feel confident in what you're delivering, if it doesn't feel like a safe environment, I've stopped lessons before now because I've just felt the vibe's not right in the room today. Uh, It's not, you know, uh, this isn't going to be comfortable. This isn't going to be okay for people. I just stopped the lesson and done something else, just winged it. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, um, I think if you only ever get to teach two things, it's tackling gender stereotypes and it's media analysis. So if Mm. you can equip all young people with the ability to evaluate and scrutinize media, there we are. They're set um, uh, set up in a very good way. Um, I think when it comes to the actual delivery of it, I'm really glad that Michael mentioned there about taking care of your staff. I feel very, very well cared for. But um, it can take its toll sometimes. You know, there are days sometimes quite literally when all I've done is talk about sexual assault and abuse and county lines and exploitation all day. And it, it does take its toll. You can be very tired and also um young people being young people they come out with things which um they have no idea that what they're saying can can be a bit hurtful sometimes and uh, we we'll just remember we're the grown ups in the room and it's not personal they're young people and they're trying out ideas and um it's just sometimes when you've heard the same cliche about you haven't even gendered a relationship abuse and yet you're getting women do it too like I was really actually teaching this in a very neutral way today and it can be a bit exhausting sometimes so just remembering that young people are young people they're in a media in a um, being raised in a in a media saturation with very helpful unhelpful examples of relationships of course they're going to say that um another thing another rule that I have in my classroom is that um our opinions aren't who we are you know we are us we are us, our identity, and our opinions are not our identities, and, and our opinions are allowed to change over time. So really keep keeping the space open to mm. try out ideas and, in a respectful way, in a safe way. And, th- and that means quite often, and it's Michael who taught me this actually, you know, but that's how therapy works, isn't it? Just by saying something out loud, you quite often realise that's not what you believe. So allow young people to try out ideas relating to sex and relationships, because it mm. creates an opportunity for challenge But also by just saying it out loud, they might realise that's not what they think at all. Um, I think a lot of this work does tend to be done by females, and that does make for an interesting dynamic. Through trial and error, I've discovered that I it's really important that I talk about violence against males first. That might seem like a cop out, but actually um, I understand why the young men, I understand why how the young men might feel coming into our classroom. So I always start by being realistic about. Um, which sex is most likely to experience violence, but also what's the context for that violence, who's most likely to be the perpetrator. And once we've been able to interrogate all of that, we then go on to talk about violence against women and girls. And it's just very, very helpful. It just means that everyone's going into it knowing that they're not going to be attacked, um, that the, the young men know that you've got their back, and it does make them mean they're far more likely to go Along with you, as you're then exploring the very different context of violence against women and girls, that was a lot there, wasn't it? <laughs> All no, the it, 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 No, it's yeah. really interesting. I'd, <laughs> yeah.
2: I'd, I'd never really considered, you know, that that kind of male female. Because I imagine when we're talking about some of this stuff, it can be a a, a load. We, you know, essentially a lot of it, we would be saying men are bad, boys are bad. You know, th- these uh, messages are coming across. It, it, mm-hmm. you, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. If we're not
0: careful, Michael. If we're not if we're not careful, I I, I think. Um, Mess- the messages: If if you give somebody bad food and they become ill, you can't say you're a you're a bad eater. <laughs> you're, you know, yeah. you're, you're bad because you eat the the food is bad. And, and we have to give people good nourishment, and and that is you know emotional, psychological, and ethical nourishment. We have to give people access to the best that we can. Um, I don't believe in um, I don't believe that men are bad I don't be, but i know that men do bad things and they make bad decisions you know it's uh, a varying degrees I, I don't think things are written in the stars I don't believe in destiny or, or fate uh, I don't believe in biological determinism which w- would suggest that um, that men are always going to be you know aggressive and things like that I, I don't accept it I, but I, I can see the roots of it. And I, I can see it playing out, but it plays out in ways which are heavily skewed you know, towards one sex or the other. And I think it's naming the problem, number one, um, taking it on the chin, that the, the problem is um, weighted and skewed as it is, and then think, what can we do? And Because we want to make it better. Everybody involved in education and social work and supporting youth work, is in the job because they want to make a difference and they want to support young people uh, living healthy, safe and respectful lives. And I think being realistic and accepting things that might be difficult or uncomfortable or unpalatable, such as the fact that the overwhelming majority of um, you know violent crimes committed by men, we've got to accept that. Otherwise, we can never fix it.
2: And I guess, yeah, be candid about it, shine a light on it, yeah. because th- these things are happening. And as we've heard with some of the online things, these things are potentially in their lives already. Whether we as educators want to talk about them or want to address them, they're yeah. already there, yeah. I guess. For sure. Um, right, now, fabulous. Now, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you both so much for giving up your time. We do we have to wrap it all up, but it's been lovely talking to you. Um, thank you, Tamazin. My pleasure um you know lovely hearing from you know as i say teacher talk radio we love hearing from people in the classroom doing it day in day out and, it, and it's been wonderful and hopefully helpful uh to people thank you michael as well some wonderful advice no
0: nathan i really appreciate it thank you
2: no yeah it's been great to talk to both of you obviously i will say to all of our listeners this will shortly uh what well, is it you know five minutes after we finish will be available as a podcast download whether you're on Apple Music, uh, iTunes, no, that's the same thing, Amazon, uh, Spotify, whatever your uh, choice of podcasting thing is, it, it will be available. And of course, you can visit our website where if you type into the search bar in Listen Back, you'll be able to find any of our episodes on any topic. So if you want to type in there, uh, curriculum. You want to type in there. Mails. You want to type in PSAG. You'll be able to search all of our episodes. So it is time for me to say Nostar to both of my guests. Nostar, Michael. Nostar, Tamasin. Nostar. Well done, Michael. Thank you very much. And, no and we will say good good night to all of you. Nostar.
0: Yeah.